And we went to listen to it back because we just do it without headphones. And we were like, it sounds like shit. Why is that? And it's because we hadn't switched inside the studio to the mics. We had just left it on the computer speaker. So the whole thing was recorded out of the computer. I did that. Like yeah, th- yeah, yeah. I did that about three episodes ago. Oh, did you? <laughs> I, I just didn't have this thing plugged in the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, so it was all coming through. Did you re-record or just go with it? No, we just went with yeah. it. Yeah. We've had minimal complaints. Yeah, exactly. It's like, once you've invested that time, no. it's hard to re-record, right? Yeah, 100%. The energy's gone and you ask the same thing. Don't don't, same no, don't wrong reactions. Yeah. Yeah. You want it? No. I don't know. I'm doing it because I have the headphones on because I, I need to just double check this recording. Yeah. The okay. levels. I'm the tech guy. Oh, yeah. nice. Hey, we're recording, by the way. Yeah, we I thought you might have been. Yeah, kind of rolled it in there. Um, <laughs> hello, listeners. JB Podcast. We are at number 30. 36. 36. Joe's keeping score there. Thank you very much. Welcome, guys. Junglebrothers.com. If you need any help, strength, movement, mobility, all that stuff, get in touch. Um, also, find us on Instagram at junglebrothersmovement.com. We've got five of us in the studio today, so there's uh, four microphones, some head pieces, some of us are sharing. So it's going to be a cool episode. We've got a couple of guests from the gym. We've got Scotty and Kasha. Welcome, guys. <laughs> Kasha. Kasha? Kasha. Kasha. Fuck. <laughs> but it's spelled def- with two I have E's. I to defend her honour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you must. Yeah. Uh, I like my name having the word cash in it. Dollar bills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the little dollar signs. <laughs> yeah. Um, you guys getting married? Sure are. When are you getting married? I don't know. When cash? <laughs> um, the plan is uh, 2021 and like April, May. So you have any venues? Any, uh, if you own a farm? Would you yeah, let us do it out of the gym? <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> first in-house Jungle Brothers wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh That's a while away. So there's time yeah, to exactly. organise it. I reckon we just sit, like, we'll do the ceremony. I'll sit on top of the monkey bars, um, sit up there. People can just sit or sit on the floor. So yep. do chairs I have are, to... Chairs are cancer. We could so. get various members to perform talent shows at the wedding as part of the entertainment. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Who does the, um, I forget her name, but she does all the um, tumbling on the ropes. Hayley. Hayley, yeah. We'll yeah. get Hayley to perform. That'd be T silly. sings. T, T sings. will be able to perform 2021. Well, yeah, he's ready to go this Christmas. Go now. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Bill Withers, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's cool. Yeah. No, and I guess Congratulations. Like, the, thank you very much. No, very exciting. And I guess like Keisha is about to move to Canberra for the next four months in prep for Tokyo. So it's gives oh, us hang on to a do second. Let's rewind a bit. Who oh, the hell yeah. are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Oh, sorry. I, ass- wedding. I assumed <laughs> when you guys introduced me, Scott from the gym, that everyone knows <laughs> who I am already. Anyway, that's it, right? It's like <laughs> Joey T, Paulie, and Scott. Like that's basically. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Okay, so you can introduce yourself first. Um, so I probably am not as regular to the gym, but I have been coming the last month. And um, But, yeah, usually I am jetting off uh, with the Australian water polo team. Um, in 2016, I went to the Rio Olympics um, for water polo and am hoping to go to the Tokyo Olympics for the same sport. It'd be cool if I was going for a different sport, but no, for the same sport. And um, I will head off to Canberra on Monday to start our um, kind of, I guess, nine-month prep leading in. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> Unreal. That's cool. Mm. Could you tell us uh, a little bit about water polo? Like, what, what, is, what, is, what is it? What is it? Yeah. Um, that's so the aim of the game. The, na- the aim of the game. Aim of the game is score more goals than the other team, as with most. Okay. No, it's, isn't it to have fun? As long as oh, everyone's sorry, having sorry, fun sorry, for sorry. all the kids out there sorry, and the parents. Not when you go to the Olympics. Ha- no. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like soccer in the water with your hands. Yes. Same kind of rules. Exactly, with a little oh. touch of rugby. 
just sprinkled oh, in there. Yeah. Is that the stuff that's going on under the surface? Yes, right. uh, under the surface. So, um, unfortunately, in Rio, the I don't know if you guys know, but the chlorine in the pool um, got the. The ratio got messed up, so they tampered. didn't have... Yeah, tampered, not tampered, <laughs> but just messed up, just uh, human error. Okay. And um, so they didn't have underwater footage, but that basically is the stuff, oh, the stuff okay. you want to see. Oh, so they sh- when you're watching broadcast, oh, they show, fo- like, they've got cameras underwater. Yeah, so get excited <laughs> for Tokyo, because, yeah, they have them all over the pool, and you'll maybe see a bit more than you bargain for in terms of Cozzy's getting pulled and yeah. <laughs> things actually, being shown. Wow. <laughs> I reckon, like, um, from, like, a jiu-jitsu perspective, like, the swimmers actually act like, I guess, like, kind of like a gay or a rash shirt. So, like, the girls, the guys have obviously less because we're just wearing togs. But when the girls are getting held, to show the ref that they're being held, they jump out of the water... So then their, so then their it boobs gets come down. out. So like, <laughs> yeah. literally you've got to show your boobs to, to get the call. <laughs> to get the foul. And then you swim off. Whereas, Small price to pay. Yeah. <laughs> Depends how big your boobs are, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we actually did some um, jiu-jitsu and like wrestling breaking hole practice leading up to Rio. So it was really fun. Hopefully we can do some more of that. That's so cool. Yeah. So yeah. You, you're not allowed to grab the swimmers, but it obviously happens. I, yeah, I've or been. Are you allowed? N- you're, it's, n- it's a non it's a non contact right. sport in inverted commas, but it's I'd, like it's like w- yeah. What happens under the water stays under the water. <laughs> I've played water polo. Oh, nice. Yep. <laughs> Who'd you play for? I played once. School. Oh no. And I play. I went to a private school. Yeah. Lucky you. And uh, <laughs> went to a private school, <laughs> and I played a, a game of water polo, fifteen minutes of it, and it was the, the worst. <laughs> Most horrible time of my life. I got in the pool. I can't swim for shit. I sink <laughs> like a fucking rock. Anyway, I got in the pool and they blew the whistle. Some dude come, swims over to me, gets his toes, rips my swimmers off. They're down around my ankles. I'm like, oh shit. As I'm taking a <laughs> breath in, he pushes my head underwater. I just swallow like a liter of water. My lungs fill up. Not only does he drive me down, he steps on my head and pushes me to the bottom of the pool. I thought I was going to die. Wow. I was the worst fucking experience <laughs> of my life. I crawled out of the pool like a drowned rat and I was like, that's it. I'm definitely no not playing that game ever yeah. again. I think, I think people have like... Brutal. What a career. It was horrible. What a sequence. Yeah. yeah. It was horrible. Right. First minute, that guy, that's Scarden. pretty full on. Yeah, Normally, it was horrible. I mean, that's each game for me, but like, <laughs> yeah, not yeah, the first no. minute. <laughs> but you got to be fit. Like, I couldn't believe how quickly I just fatigued. Mm. I got to a point where I was like... And they wouldn't let me touch the side of the bloody pool <laughs> every time i swim over there like get back out there yeah i was like oh gosh i think that's what that's the, a hard game like i think with water polo when you start you either go your way where you're like this sport is way too hard for me i'm never going to be able to do it i'm just out quit just quit yeah or you go i love this and then you sort of you know dedicate your life to it like just i guess turn into a machine well, yeah. i actually so i my have three older sisters so i actually played my first game when i was six and a half because they ran out of players so imagine like a tiny little i was a tiny six-year-old, and jump in the pool with these under-14s, and I just remember, like, oh. being, like, so scared, just like you, like, swimming, a, swimming away from everyone. And then I was, like, had to go to their trainings every time. And so I would um, be sitting on the side with my mum, and I was like, well, if I have to go in next time, I'm going to have to learn to egg beat and, like, have to learn to do all these things. So I kind of... What's egg beat? Oh, it's how they, everyone stays afloat. It's like treading water. It's like breaststroke kick, but separate legs. 
and it makes you sit higher. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Spewing, I'm taking his microphone. Joe and T is sharing a mic today. We have wrong. egg beating in jiu-jitsu as well, interestingly. Ah, that is interesting. Yeah, it's what you call when you're... when Because you're trying to bring your guard, your legs, mm. on the inside of your opponent's legs or arms. Mm. Okay. And then they're trying to bring their arms or legs inside yours, so then you egg beat back in. Yeah. Ah, Just, that's yeah. exactly the same movement. It's right like, on. yeah, that... Like that? Yeah. Mm. Um, like and it basically, the faster you do it <laughs> and the more you push the water down, that's how the, everyone gets higher out of the water. Buoyant. So if you're just sitting there, which becomes. Ah, so like it's a collective thing. Like, in, in, in sometimes. Are you saying that when there's two people egg beating next to each other? No. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. no, no, no. So <laughs> cool. <laughs> you can create like a whirlpool. No. <laughs> um, so if you're just sitting, like if I'm just sitting in the water, I can do egg beater nice and slow, just like I'd walk down the street. But yep. obviously, if you haven't done it before, it's quite hard. But then if I go faster, then I can come out, you know, out to your hips or whatever. So that's what Paul was talking about, how you come all, like, you yeah. bring a whole torso out of the water. Yeah, yeah. So that's really, oh, that's... Yeah, I was, I was saying earlier before we started recording, yeah, when I see water polo, that's like the most amazing thing because it looks like you're defying <laughs> um, kind of gravity. whatever gravity and they just rise up. They're mm. like up to their shoulders and then it's kind of like, Godzilla in that slow-mo coming out of the Japan Sea type thing. Like, <laughs> and they come out to so they're like hip height. No, yeah. And then everyone's got like those broad shoulders and they just open up for that shot. There's goalkeepers who come out and there's daylight between their legs. Like that's okay, yeah. they come out yeah. off, their, yeah. off their jump. Yeah, like and then you see, you know, guys and girls right? like coming out to their hips or wherever with someone holding on to them. Mm. And you're like, they're, you know, they're lifting they doing themselves that? out plus another human. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, pretty incredible. So is there a is there a body type uh, just like on that? T was saying he sinks. Do you see you know like with swimmers you see that there's usually like they're big and strong but they might carry like a little layer of body fat like it doesn't serve them to be completely lean. You two are quite lean individuals. Is there something there that's like an optimal range? I reckon. Uh, I mean, it's I guess it's different for men and women. In the men's game, like the the Europeans are average like two meters tall. Like, they're just gigantic. And then you'll see some of them and you go, they're not athletic at all. They just look like big fat blokes. But they can swim. So it's um, it's sort of – there's not a lot of – the Australian team's pretty lean. But, yeah, a lot of international players are, like, a bit more bulky. Um, not really cut, but they can swim all day long and they're actually deceptively strong. And then I guess in women's – Women's is a huge variation across yeah. different nations. So, um, yeah, some nations you'll find everyone is five foot nothing – and lean and fast, and then you've got um, countries more like Australia and America where we're a lot taller, a lot bigger, um, and it just kind of depends. Like, the women's game has got quite a few different styles. So, mm, mm. Um, and that's the same with the men with the different styles, but just, mm. like, the body type is, it's dependent on your position, but also a lot dependent on your country. Uh, yeah, yeah I was wondering about that position thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, just, you know, rugby and stuff, you've got bigger people in the forward pack and yeah. faster people on the wings. What are the body type spreads in water polo? Yeah, same sort of thing. So same sort of thing. Like I'm a, I'm a centre back, so I, my job is to pick up the centre forward, which is usually the biggest, tallest, ugliest bloke in the pool. Um, <laughs> so then ideally, like, so I'm like 94 kilos at the moment and the centre forward on our team is about 115 to 120 kilos. Is he the one that throws mind. the ball in the net? Yeah, or okay. if we give it to him, yeah. yeah. He gets angry if we don't give him the ball, so we try to give it to him as much <laughs> as possible. Um, so, yeah, so, like, I'm probably a little bit undersized to take him on because I'm just – like, if we're just pushing against each other, like, he's just got a weight advantage on me, so I'm just not going to be able to push him anywhere. And then, like, the Australian team centre forward, he plays in Italy. He's 
probably pro- close to 130 kilos at the moment. Oh like, my he's God. just a big, um, I think he's Samoan, like, uh, originally. And he's just this big, huge oh, human. Represent. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get many Pacific Islanders that can swim. No. <laughs> then he can, he can swim too, so. They're trying to bring beach water polo to the Pacific Islands. I was there for, like, a conference a few months ago. Mm. And um, they want to, yeah, get more people swimming. And because it's... Be good for them. Yeah, good. It's, like, fun because, like, yeah, there's a lot of worry about, like, water safety. So, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, side we'll note. We've got, <laughs> we got surfers coming out of Fiji. Good, sur- good surfers yeah. there. Yeah, and and, and uh, paddle boarding. They've got ah, a national paddle board team. Surfing, They're yeah. getting competitive. Awesome. International paddle boarding. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I They've got, like, some world champion coach over there. Cool. Um, yeah, I think he's European or something like that. But mm. he's over there, like... Uh, teaching a lot of the younger kids, cool. trying to build a little team there. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, though, before we go further, because mm. I've got heaps of questions too, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce the sixth member to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'll start with the sixth member. Um, so he's half falling asleep on my Jump lap on at the moment. Uh, so this is Magic. Uh, he's our dog. Um, I think he thinks he's a person more than he is a dog. He failed. Um, I tried to get him to a, like a puppy <laughs> daycare centre this week and he failed in the first minute. Because he didn't want to play out, play with the other dogs. He wanted so to come inside. Yeah, <laughs> back with Scott. Yeah. Um, What's his full name? Uh, Magic Johnson, uh, named after the famous Irvin Magic Johnson, Lakers circa '89 through to 2000 ish. On no. Yeah. 80, 80 to '89, '92. No, whatever. I know. I know a bit Baller. about basketball. Yeah. Baller. Um, so anyway, yeah, it doesn't look like Magic Johnson at all. He's a tiny little dog, and he's a sook, and he's looking at your muffins. He's like the dog Paulie. from Men in Black. Oh, that, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a pug dog. Yeah, is that a pug? He's a, he's a half pug. He's half a half pug. Half pug. Mm. half pug. Massive sook, though. Uh, part, what was the second one? Introduce me. Yeah. You, uh, yeah. More about me. Um, sick. You play water polo, too. Yeah, play water polo. Uh, I run a company called Beach Water Polo Fours, so we're trying to grow um, just participation in water polo around Australia, playing it cool. Um, like iconic waterways around the country. Um, so that's going really well. Um, just get more people playing and show more people the sport. Um, and then uh, I started playing beach handball a couple of years ago uh, in 2013 and um, have been doing that with the national team for the, ever since and going away next month to World Beach Games. So, yeah, a bit of a throbber, I guess. <laughs> a throbber. Yeah. <laughs> he uses that word way too much. <laughs> That's, that's new. <laughs> I like, uh, I've been getting over frother. You got no, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, cool, man. It's like Joey. When you talk about Joey in jujitsu. You know, he throbs at an elite level. You know, <laughs> <laughs> throb on the mats. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. So, can I ask um, when you started? Oh, you already said you started when you were six. Mm. That was your first experience, and it kind of just went from there. Well, you weren't technically allowed to play when you were that young. Six and 14 is <laughs> a massive gap. Yeah. Like, so I started playing when I was 10 okay. and then like, you know, every morning type of stuff when I was, oh, I don't know, 15 or 16. Okay, wow. right. Yeah. And yourself? So that's a long time uh, ago. I started playing, uh, the, the women won gold in Sydney. Um, so I remember I hated swim. like my mum said to me, you have to keep doing squad swimming until you're in high school and then you can decide what you want to do. So when I was in year six, um, about to go into high school, I watched the women win gold and I was like, that looks like way more fun to keep going with. So picked it up that summer and then never stopped. So uh, yeah, so that would have been when I was 10 or 11 So sure. as well. So yeah, it's been for a while. Mm. I'm 30 now, so yeah, 20 years. And how do you get started? Uh, like, is it, did your school have it? 
We had or, a local comp um, okay. near us, but yeah, like usually people start through school. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think it starts now at under 12s level that they have like the club competition starts. But um, there's a few things where you have like under 10s can do like a come and try day. And it's one of those sports I think where you've just got to be in the know and know somebody who does it and then they sort of introduce you. It's not marketed well, which is what, you know, kind of what I want to try and do is improve profile of it. Um, so yeah, it's just hard to start. Are you trying to, I mean, is that a commercial venture for you? Are you trying yeah. to make a business out of it as well as spread the, spread the message of the sport? Oh, absolutely. So like, yeah, I guess like the vision is to make beach water polo the rugby sevens of water polo. So like travel around the world, go to a city, harbour venue, have people like bring inflatables into the harbour, get like around it like they do at the rugby sevens again, um, you know, events that travel around the world as well. Um, so we're getting there. It's <laughs> still a bit, a bit far off, but that's the long term goal. That's We've cool. got to get you guys down. That's that'll be yeah. what'll really pick it up. An <laughs> team. Yeah, you were mentioning that before, and we were like, "But I asked if you can put your feet on the ground." <laughs> low, <laughs> at at low tide, like, no. for sure. Low tide, for sure. But you got a boat, don't you? Or your dad's got a boat? No, not anymore. Oh, he sold it. Well, no, he had a little tinny that was part of the uh, place he worked at, but they don't work there anymore. Because that's what we try and get people to bring their boats and like just anchor for the day and, and hang out and then jump off the boat, jump back on. Well, that'd be yeah. cool. I could get around that. Yeah, for sure. Doesn't yeah. help you in the for the game though. <laughs> <laughs> I take the boat on the field. Yeah, we had a bunch of guys come down who'd like had a huge night the night before, and like they were just all they were doing was sleeping on their boat all day, and then like roll off the into the water, swim out to the field, play a game, go back on the boat, go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's cool. Yeah. Tell us a, a little bit more about your handball. Yeah. Um, so I guess handball's not very well known in Australia at all. Like I'd never heard of it until. Um, I, I actually, I saw it when I was during the Sydney Olympics. I went and watched the game, and I thought it was cool. And then just never popped up again. Never got an opportunity. This um, is indoor. Indoor, yeah, yeah, indoor. That's at the Olympics. Um, and then Keisha's sister uh, ended up playing for the national team. She had been playing handball for a while, um, and she asked us to come down in. Uh, to Manly and play a couple of social games with them and uh, it seemed like a nice way to spend a Sunday afternoon and when you're a little bit hungover, at least it gets you out of the house and to the beach. Um, and then I sort of kept doing it and I got asked to try out for the national team and lo and behold, a sport that's got about 100 members worldwide, um, na sorry, nationwide, it's not too hard <laughs> to crack the national team. So, um, yeah, so I made that and then that year travelled to Colombia in 2014, went to Brazil, 2016 we went to Hungary, 2017 to Poland, last year we went to Russia, this year we're going to Qatar, so we've got to travel the world doing it, which is pretty sick. So I think I've played handball now in every country, every continent, except wow. for Africa. So I've got to knock oh. off Africa and Antarctica, but, you know, we'll see. So just for everyone, <laughs> so European handball to beach handball is like indoor volleyball to beach volleyball. Yeah. So smaller field, less players, a few different rules. But you know the kind of idea. Yeah. It's yeah. like a basketball court and you've got like indoor soccer goals. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. And then I played one game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you played I one played game one game with Did Steph. you get yeah. because he's pulled down and kicked in the face? No. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no like, the indoor <laughs> European handball, I played that. No, I, I played know. one game. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was me who pulled it. Is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he didn't know me back then. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I played the one game. It yeah. was fun. It's, it's it great tough. fun. And it's so rough. You reckon it's rough? No, like, well, yeah, it was. It was a mixed game. <laughs> um, and, and it was still really rough. Like the blocking. Yeah. And there's a lot of leniency in that grey area where you can charge over the top of someone yeah. and like throw the ball. And mm. it's you get knocked to the ground and it's hard ground and no one bats an eyelid. No. 
No, it's um, chicks were definitely going harder than the guys. <laughs> that, the game that I played, they were like, yeah, super aggressive. Yeah, no, it's it's um it's a really cool sport. Like yeah. they they really emphasize uh, athleticism and spectacular goals. So, um, mm. like you get two points for a spin shot or an alley alley oop. So like oh, catching cool. in the air and shooting. So like jumping and spinning and you know um, just being generally athletic is a huge yep. part of the game. So um, you know to give you guys a plug. Um, it's been, been a huge part of me coming here has been translated into that and being able to work the different – be strong in different ranges and, and then translate that to the field. So good on you guys. Real. <laughs> nice. Our pleasure. Uh, there's a um, team going to the Olympics for handball. Is there an Olympic team? Uh, the, for the Aussies? Yeah. So they can qualify through Asia, but they're just – it's the sport's too small here at the moment. So they're, they're working their hardest to, to do it, but it's just – you're up against professional players and – we just don't have that sort of background here, so it's a bit tall ask to make it. The women have a chance, I think, to mm. qualify for Tokyo, um, or potentially if they've already just missed it. But yeah, it's 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 a tough order. But um, for beach handball, I always get um, we talk about beach water polo, beach handball. I start getting mixed up. But anyway, beach handball, there's a chance it'll be a demonstration sport in Tokyo next year, and we don't know what that means in terms of like who, what teams will get to go, or if it's just going to be like an all-star team from players around the world, but. Um, yeah, if we got an opportunity to do that, I'd be pretty pretty excited, especially since Tokyo is bloody expensive. If you're looking at accommodation packages and tickets and stuff, so yeah, um, yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah, so lots of lots of taxing rigors, um, sports demanding. What's it like living in the shadow of your missus? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I think it's it's. it's I'm a never huge. around, so <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a shadow. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're joking. I'm an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> but All right, Brian. No, I, I'm coming from a place because I know what it feels like. Yeah, right. Yeah, I do. Well, what was your... My wife's a professional dancer. Is that what you wanted she to be? Is. Yeah, what? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still dance, but yeah. not professionally. Yeah, not professionally. <laughs> no, I saw you Could on over at um, your son's... Uh, what was it? The yeah. after school thing? That was after a full night out. Yeah. After our Christmas party last year. That's right. And I was... I got... Absolutely maggot. <laughs> I got home at 6am. Oh my God. My wife woke me at 8am and oh. said, remember it's Ty's uh, first performance on stage today. It's my son. And I opened my eyes and I was like, all right, I've got to get up. And then I got up and I got there. And then she reminded me, you know, you have to go on stage with him and do a little <laughs> dance. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Worst experience ever. But I did it. You did it. And My son good. will always remember that. I, I can't wait to see home. this. <laughs> yeah, it's on social media somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> the deep corners. Well, yeah, to answer your question, um, I, don't, I don't think it's – I know you're joking. Yeah. I don't think I'm, I'm – uh, It's more about, like, the support that goes with the, uh, mm. being, being a, part, the par- a partner of someone whose whole life is obviously dedicated to your sport. Yeah. There's got to be, like, a support network there, and usually it's the person who's the closest to you. Yeah, I'll, so I'd, do I'd like you to work uh, like closely with her with food and um, <laughs> the food, mental, no. <laughs> uh, you know, support and all that kind of stuff. Ment- I, th- I like to think mental support. I mean, Keisha's just come off a eight months in Greece playing professionally, so um, the time difference to Greece was usually nine hours, I think. So that would be like she would wake up at about three o'clock in the afternoon for me, and so I'd be at work. So. By the time I got off work, it was she was off to training, and then by the time she got off training, I'm look like either here or trying to go to bed, or you know, so like trying to communicate during that period was pretty tough. But we always sort of seemed to find find a way to to chat and work through anything. But we never really we don't really have any like 
relationship problems. It's more just like... <laughs> was that the question? <laughs> I don't know. Definitely not the question. <laughs> what was you in this... Tell us more about that. Like, this is how I got <laughs> to bring it up. What was in this coffee? Sorry. No, so I, I, look, I, so can, answer, you, I can help answer Yeah, I was going to yeah. throw that question your way. <laughs> so I think... I thought um, if I just kept talking, I already had a good answer coming out. <laughs> <Or you'd> pick, <laughs> relationship problems. Um, no, so, um, you know, leading up to Rio, I was... Uh, the Rio Olympics, I was, you know, fringe player, like, you know, struggling really hard to make the team. Like, every every month it would be um, trying to... Like, my coach would tell me to try and do something different, try and work on my swimming, be faster, try and work on my strength, be stronger, you know, change position, all these things. And, um, you know, it was really, really, really hard. And I think, like, looking back, like... And even in the time I think I knew that I wouldn't have been able to, like make the team if it hadn't been for Scott. So I think, like, it's a little bit emotional. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, you know, having that support and they say, you know, for an athlete to go to the Olympics, it takes a village. And that's so true. Like, I had my family at such a great support and my friends. And, but yeah, Scott was there for me every single day. And for me, for being like someone who's can read too much into things or can look at the, the um, like, catastrophize, I suppose is the word. Scott's, like, very logical and can bring me back down to earth. So I think, you know, um, in answer to the question, he's just as much, to me, just as much a part of that Olympian um, name tag as I am. Um, nice. That is beautiful. <laughs> Really, really nice. She got me boomer shorts as well, so I get to wear the the green and gold sometimes. (laughs) Boomers? That's the team? The basketball team. That's the basketball team. Uh, Yeah, they had spare ones going around. Where the stingrays. Sting is stingrays. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, yeah. But yeah, it was like like my Olympic experience with Cash, like I got to be at every single game. Um, Like I ride the highs and the lows while she's playing and like, you know, Mm. being so close to the sport. I know all the other girls in the team as well. I understand the tactics. I know the opposition players. So I'm riding the same sort of wave. The only difference was I got to go back and have mojitos after games. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So he went on a... you stay in the village as well? No, but Rio was pretty lax. Like we walked around like the... um, (laughs) It's unlike Brazil. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you could walk around... Like there was a time where... um, yeah, you know, they have all these, like, guys running around with machine guns who are supposed to be, like, the enforcers or whatever, and they all look at each other. Like, they just stand in a circle looking at each other. They're not looking at the crowd, so they're just talking to each other. So you could basically walk anywhere you wanted. <laughs> so, yeah, there was a time where, like, you left your phone with me and I, like, ran through all the back things, got to, like, the yeah, bus the to the Athletes points. Village. I was wearing, like, a supporter's top. I could have got on the bus to go to the Athletes Village and hung out. Like, mm. they wouldn't have even blinked an eyelid. Yeah, but when you, before Rio, I was doing, like, I don't know, like, an eight-week training tour around the world and Scott's on like a literally party tour of Croatia <laughs> and all these people like and he said like I'm going to the Olympics next stop Olympics and they're like oh like what sport are you competing in <laughs> okay that's not the preparation yeah. like every night drinking till four like come on well he looks apart as well yeah I do thank you <laughs> <laughs> with a beer in hand like yeah. a young Dolph Lundgren uh, like you, yeah oh yeah <laughs> wider shoulders in the gym yes well, yeah, uh, I take that as a compliment. <laughs> Keish, what's um, what's the you know? So like you're you're obviously like you're you're at the top tier of athleticism in your sport, and you, like I'm guessing you hold down a job. What is like what is your what are the last couple of years looked like? Do you do you work full time and then train outside of that, or you were funded by the team? So yeah, it's a bit of a um, patchwork quilt of 
jobs the last couple of years. So basically, before Rio, I was just a receptionist, um, personal assistant, and it was more of a earning money job to support the water polo. Um, after Rio, I thought, okay, I put my life... And I, okay, I've done a degree in architecture as well. But um, after I was like, okay, what do I actually want to do with my life? Because you do have to put your life kind of on hold to reach your goal, reach your dream. And um, so that in that year, I decided that I wanted to be a florist and then um, did the certificate in that and absolutely, absolutely love that. And so for 2017, um, I was doing training, like all the touring and working basically full-time as a florist. But what time does training start? Like, what time do you get up in the morning for training? Like oh, f- yeah, 4 a.m. to get to training, get home and get home at 10.30. At night, working. not in the morning. Yeah, get home She's at She's out from 4 o'clock in the morning till 10.30 at night. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. And so I was just, like, run off my feet, basically. And um, that's exactly why I decided to go to Greece. Um, in Greece, you can – or in Europe, you can play professionally and, um, and obviously just focus on the water polo. And so – to make, to earn money and they'll, play. They'll pay you to play. Exactly, yeah. And here you get um, money from the government uh, a little bit, not enough to live on, and you get your tools and things paid for, um, but they're not going to pay you on a weekly basis. So I decided to go to Greece and then this year with all of the commitments, it's basically impossible to work. Um, so, yeah, that's basically the, the saga. It kind of works in that four-year cycle. The year leading up to the Olympics is the most full-on, the most time away from home, the most commitments, everything. And not many people will have a job. Maybe they'll do a little bit of a uni, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. So it's, I like to say it's an amateur sport that requires a professional commitment. <laughs> yeah. Basically. It's full-on. Would, would that rule a lot of people out of being able to, you know, to they might have a dream but they just don't have the means or... Mm. To get involved? Um, or is it sort of unique only to this country and other countries do? They fund it better? I would say that it's more that you get selected early. Like the earlier you get selected, the more chance you have of progressing because there's not that professional structure in place. Like you can't make the Olympic team at 27 if you didn't make it at like 21, if that makes sense. Because you haven't had those years of sort of being uh, invested into so whereas other countries, because everybody's professional, it's just like, hey, you had a great season, you're in the national team this year. Here it's more like the national team is sort of formed at a more, like you get sort of added to the squad and then you sort of keep training, keep training. <laughs> and then you've sort of got to make that commitment to... A bit more selective. Kind of, yeah. It yeah. doesn't have the... Sometimes the team will pick itself. Okay, you'll have, you know, 18 people, but there will only be 20 people that would be wanting to be selected. Yeah. Okay. That, that makes it sound like really easy. But like... <laughs> no, this <laughs> Everyone is, quits along like much earlier because they have to weigh up, okay, can I earn money? And when I'm not... I'm not going to get any money from doing this. So what's my realistic kind of... Um, yeah. Kind of... Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Well, at some point you have to, cho- you mm. have to make that, that call on whether mm. you're going to be good enough yeah. to cut it. Yeah. And I guess at a certain point you'd know. You'd be like, all right, well, mm. I love the sport, good at it, but I'm not good enough, so I'm just going to pull out. Yeah, and I think, like, you know, with, with rugby, for example, you might be like, well, if I keep going, I'm still getting paid to be at the club level, even if I'm on yep. the bench. 
But here it's like, well, I'm going to not be in the team. That, and that yeah. putting that life yeah. on hold as you the sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. But I then mean, it's, oh, well, you hear that word thrown around a lot with um, professional athletes and top athletes, mm. like the sacrifices that they have to make mm. to stay in the sport. And I think it's quite easy for for a fan or for a spectator to be like, yeah, whatever, like, they're, they're an elite athlete. Like, how cool is that? Mm. Yeah. They just train all day. But it, it's like, it's pretty real. Like, you're putting a lot of shit on the line mm. to be able to do that. I reckon, I mean, like, my journey's a little bit different to Keisha's with handball. So, like, I reckon over the last... Mate, it's not your office. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I reckon over the last six years for me to tour and do all the stuff I've done with handball, it's at least 30 or 40 grand that I've had to drop. And, like... It's pretty significant for, like, I'm running my own business. Like, you know, we're trying to save, like, we bought a house, but, you know, we're saving for stuff. So it's a huge investment that I've had to personally make. Um, whereas, I guess, you're in a position where, I can't even remember what the question is. I'm just going to keep talking until I find an answer again. <laughs> but I think you're in a position where, like, you're not out of pocket to play for the national team, no. like, but you're not making money either, yeah. which is also a hindrance to, like, our, you know, we're going to be behind someone, I guess, who start saving at 20 and has that corporate job financially mm. but better life experience i kind of think mm -hmm. as well you don't i don't know about professional sports but there's never any question in my mind about my teammates motives because i know they're not here for the money because there simply isn't any yep. so it's like okay we're all here to be the best we can be individually be the best we can be as a team and you know this is you know you don't have to question it because this option is just isn't there and even if, like, you do, like, if you won gold in um, Tokyo, it's not like there's a gold mine waiting if they yeah, can yeah, win yeah. something either. <laughs> it's, like, purely yeah. an intrinsic um, mm -hmm. reward. Yeah. Like, you yeah. guys will get something that you achieved as a team. There's no no big sponsor that's coming yeah. on board or financial thing waiting for you. So. Uh, I wanted to ask, actually, yeah, um, <clears throat> when you went to Rio, mm. two parts, uh, how did you finish there mm -hmm. in the comp? And secondly, talking about, you know, doing all this and being self-motivated, some funding, but largely you're doing it for personal development, satisfaction and glory. Mm. What did that feel like going there? And was there a few moments there where you were like standing on the podium about to come out or as the lights came up and it was like that Hollywood film and it just felt like amazing. Mm. Can you speak to like a little bit about yeah, your sure. time in Rio and, and what that meant for you? Mm. So uh, at Rio we finished sixth. So we were very disappointed. Um, we lost our quarterfinal against Hungary in a penalty shootout. Um, so taking us out of the top four um, into sixth, uh, sorry, fifth to eighth. And we went into that Olympics, like I never doubted we wouldn't medal, yeah. which is now think looking back ludicrous because well, obviously it didn't happen, but yeah. <laughs> so... Most countries would think that? I don't know. I don't think so. Right. I think European teams, you know, you just... When they play... Basically, first of all, they have to work a lot... But to be honest, a lot harder than us to qualify for the Olympics. Mm. Um, we have to play in New Zealand, and that's how we qualify. And at the moment, um, Australia is stronger at water polo than New Zealand. Um, but we had, you know, performed well at tournaments leading up to it. We had medaled um, at those tournaments. And so, but at the same time, those games weren't easy. We weren't smashing anyone. We, um, we would lose games or we would win them by small margins. You know, we yeah. weren't miles ahead yeah. of anyone 
so looking back, it's like, okay, realistically, that was to lose an opponent to to Hungary is like what definitely could have happened and definitely did. Um, so when Scott talks about the ups, the highs and lows of the Olympic experience, that quarterfinal was like the, the obviously the biggest low. And unlike any other team sport, we actually had to keep playing. So from my understanding, no other teams have to play those uh, player classification, games, classification yeah. games. So, you know, you've lost the biggest game and as much as you can be like, well, I still came sixth at the Olympics, that game to go into the fifth and sixth game is so hard. Mm. And then that game again to back up to, to get, you know, to try and win for fifth. Like, it's obviously it still sounds like you should want to do it, but it was one of, like, two of the hardest games ever. Um, yeah. But then I on the brighter note, yeah. on a brighter note um, the whole Olympic experience, you know, I will never forget walking out for our first game against Russia. And Russia ended up coming third. Yeah. Third. And we absolutely smashed them in our first game. But... You know, I can't remember the game at all. She scored three or four. I remember that. In that game. Oh, I don't know. But, like, what <laughs> I remember is walking out and... Yeah. <laughs> and, like, you know, the crowd is full. And you're, like, like, you know, looking around, looking around, trying to find your family and friends. And it's then mine were not hard to find. There was, like, I've got three sisters. Um, and, you know, my mum and dad and Scott. And Scott's, uh, Scott's family was there as well. So it's this big group... And you just see them a mile away and it's like it's an amazing experience. And then add that with the roar of the crowd and then, you know, um, singing, you get announced, you know, your name gets called and then you start singing the national anthem. And it's like you've sung it every game for however long you've been in the national yeah. team. Mm. But that time is like, okay, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. this is it. This is wow. like I've, uh, this is the stage that I've been trying to get to. For you know, not a year, not four years, not eight years. Like realistically, since you were six. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, that and I was trying to swim away from everyone. <laughs> yeah. But you know, uh, since I because I saw my sister do the same thing for Beijing um, Olympics back in two thousand eight. So okay. You know, so it's that whole build up, and like I was a blubbering mess. I don't know how I scored any goals, let alone played at all. But oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so you know, you've got these extreme highs and these like devastating lows that. As much as it's a such a huge roller coaster, it's the thing that makes me want to go and do it again. Not, yeah. of course, not the lows. You never want to feel those again. But to have those highs is like you can't um, you can't replicate them. Nah. Yeah. Wow. That's so powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And there's lows <laughs> that they're 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 fueling you as well. Yeah. To to motivate you, I guess, for the the next four years and, yeah. and coming to the point that you're for you're sure. at now. For sure, and I think um, I'm in a different position now. You know, no one's guaranteed a spot in the team by any means, but I'm in a more senior position and, you know, I can... Because you've been at the games before. Yeah, yep. and I can kind of help lead the team to think, okay, we want to we wanna medal, we want to do as well as we can, but yep. we need to also, first of all, do everything we can to get that goal but also not expect anything either because mm, mm. that's why, like, we were all so devastated because, mm. you know, we just – it was just out of the realm of possibility for us. Yep. Mm. Um, so I think that's 
you know, I come in with a new perspective than I did last last cycle. Whether I make it or not, um, hopefully I've helped, like, shape the team to be, you know, we've evolved from last time. Yeah. I hope. Do, do you have any um, any uh, mental coaches, any um, motivational coaches or anyone that helps you with your mindset and stuff like that? Mm. Um, yeah. Or, apart or from you, me? Apart from, yeah, <laughs> apart from you and, and like, I'd, I'd imagine... Um, being like an athlete, you would have already done your own work along the whole journey. Yeah. Uh, but is there someone that, that helps you in preparation yeah. for the games or at any so time? So we have um, – I have my own individual sports psych and then we have a team, a team sports psych, psychologist. Uh, yeah. um, and so they help us work on, you know, connections and work on um, – just work on a lot of stuff. And – but, yeah, I – I have, like, I'm like a big believer in how important your mental state is um, for going into um, elite competition because everybody's training hard. Everybody's doing hours and hours in the pool, hours and hours in the gym, you know, hours and hours on the tactics, on the video. So if you can get, you know, 5% more in how you approach the game, and it's still something that it's hard to measure and you have to constantly be working on. But um, I think, yeah, it's it's so important to be working on your mental approach um, to try and get not your best performance maybe every time because that isn't realistic, but to get consistently as close to your best performance every single time. Mm. Speaking of, like, your, your work with your uh, sports psych, mm. and I understand how important it is to have the, the right mindset coming into competition, what kind, of, uh, what kind of steps do you take when you one day stop competing and coming out of that because that seems like to me like probably the most precarious time because now you don't have that life goal mm. that 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 high that you've that you're so used to getting yeah. is now potentially never going to happen again mm -hmm. uh what are what's the process of moving away from that and, and can that be a dangerous time for an olympic athlete i absolutely i think from what we saw in the media i don't know how many years ago now but a lot of you know, high-profile athletes were coming forward and saying that they were suffering from depression and suffering mm. from anxiety and all these things after they retired. And I think it took a lot of people by surprise because, you know, they see these amazing kind of leaders in our field, um, in, in terms of our field, like sport, and like these high-profile people, and you think, well, they've won four gold medals and they're this and they're that and they're, they've got lots of money, like what's their problem? So I think it's definitely something that people need to be aware of. Um, for water polo, in a sense, because we're not professional, I think it can actually help in that sense because mm, you always mm. have to think, okay, what am I going to do for money? What am I going to do uh, with my career? You know, ha like, you know, the, or you have that at the back of your mind rather than other players and other sports people that can just, you know, focus on their sport. So I think that's definitely it. But then in terms of, you know, those highs and those lows um, being so extreme in sport, I guess it is kind of um, something that I don't have the answer to. Because, you know, as I said, like I've never experienced anything quite like the Olympic experience. So to think, okay, maybe after Tokyo that's I never again experience. You know, I just have to make the wedding really fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to say it's not a problem because we've got JB Games every year. Keep training for that. That's every, that's every year too, not every four years. I don't even have to wait that long. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. 
Cash has to wait to receive her invite to That's the JB true. Games. That's oh, true. okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> has to qualify. Yeah, qualify. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, just my thoughts on it, I guess, for you and I personally, I think that our whole... I don't think it'll necessarily change too much about how we actually exercise, because I think we're both pretty obsessive-compulsive with actually working out. So I think we'll just find a different outlet for it. So whether that's like, you know, doing more, I don't know, people going to triathlons and Ironmans and stuff like that, I'm sure we'll find some sort of other athletic mm. pursuit or just start training to do handstands better or something. I don't know. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it'll be like we have no, um, oh, we can't do sport anymore. We'll just find another sort of outlet to sort of channel that That energy. can happen as well, can't it? Yeah, you 100%. It's just like, they just stop. You just stop moving. Yeah. Because there's nothing that can fill that kind of, that kind of drive. Yeah. So you're just kind of like, oh, what's the point? Well, yeah. And it is interesting, like, you know, after after Rhea, I had, I think, six months off. And you you find that you're so used to someone saying, okay, get here at 5 a.m. and this is what we're going to do and then you have to do this. And you're used to someone just constantly telling you what to do, what to do, what to do. So when you have your own choice, it's like, oh, maybe I'll just sleep in today. Or yeah. maybe I'll, you know, I'm not going to go for a run. You know, like you realise that someone's been telling you what to do for like however yeah. long and now when you have your own choice, you don't know what to do. <laughs> I find that interesting too because, I mean, one of the reasons like I wanted to come here was um, that I was sort of training by myself and the uh, benefits that I get from training by myself are nothing like I do by training in a group or having somebody actually just tell you what to do and have done all that thinking for you. It makes such a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, don't, I can see totally how you'd slip into like, oh, well, no one's telling me what to do today. Well, you know, I'll seek comfort rather than trying to seek um, unpleasantness. Yeah. Not that it's unpleasant coming here. No. That's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I have a question for you, Scotty. Hit me. Uh, no, we're talking about what uh, this, 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 uh, the beach, uh, sorry, the, the beach water polo. I mean, it seems like what you're doing is potentially going to change the face of the sport. It feels like you're taking something traditional and making it a little more accessible, more fun, more accessible to the general public, with a bit of a twist on it. What do you think that's going to pretend, it, let's say it really kicks off, what, what's that going to do for the sport and what kind of hurdles do you see in front of you? Because obviously there's probably people out there that might not like what you're, what you're trying to do. Yeah, well, I guess like... What are you trying to do? Well, I guess it's what we're trying to do is just grow the sport. Like mm. that's, the, that's the vision, that's the goal at the heart of everything that we do. So, you know, while we are like a commercial company it's probably not going to be like the same as being a Wall Street banker. You know, like it's never going to be the same sort of um, financial reward. But I am very passionate about growing the game and I think it's, a, it's an awesome game once you get an opportunity to see it. Unfortunately, all the games are played behind like, you know, council pools and it costs you $8 just to walk into the venue. Um, and, you know, no one really understands who the players are. Like, you know, Keisha gets a little bit of publicity through, um, you know, some various media stuff that she does. But the one thing that people like about sport is is yarn and narrative. Like, you've got to know, like, yeah. who the players are, why it's important that they're playing this team, why this team has done this, like, what's the context of the game? Um, and I don't think we do that very well as a sport. So I guess, like, from an event perspective, we just want to give it a chance for water polo to be exposed to new people in, in venues where they don't, they're just going to sort of be there and see it and, um, you know, they don't really have to, to go out and seek it. Um, and then secondly, mm. it's like, how do we promote other people within the sport so that, um, you know, eventually more sponsors want to get involved and um, we can just keep, keep it growing, keep it growing. But I work, I'm working with, like, the national body and the state bodies and stuff, and they're very, very supportive of it. 
Um, I guess it's just all the politics of, you know, who are the stakeholders and what are the policies and procedures to, to get stuff done where we can, I can sort of just, whatever I want to do, I can do. So, um, yeah, no, I think it's going to be, it's just gone to the world champs. So I was the coach, I was the assistant coach of the women's team at uh, the Australian women's team for beach water polo at the world champs. Um, so that was a cool experience to sort of um, become a coach. Yeah, be at the world stage mm -hmm. and see all the other teams and meet all the FINA people, which is the international body, um, and start having those conversations. So I think that's a cool outlet for me as I get to the end of my athletic career. Like mm. I sort of have a direction of about how I'm going to stay involved in the sport and how I'm going to keep it going. Um, so um, is there anyone uh, internationally that is doing something like that? Yeah, there's, it's been big in Europe for probably the last 10 or 15 years. Yep. Um, yeah, it's big, big in Europe the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah. Uh, and then America's sort of starting to grow on. So I'm, I'm okay. meeting all the people internationally who are running their own tournaments. Okay, cool. Starting to make those connections and, and see how we can work together. And just to be clear, is the format slightly different? There's less players? There's less players. So it's like, four, depending on what competition you're playing in, it's usually four in the water at a time. Yep. And the fields goes from like 25 metres <clears> to being like 15 metres long. So cool. you're dropping 10 metres of swimming yep. off every time, which is huge. Um, that would increase the intensity of the game, yeah? Make yeah. it faster? Yeah, so like at the international level, the, cool. the girls were absolutely pumped because like if you're holding the ball and Keisha's marking me, then I've got two other people I can pass to who are also being marked. So you can't just like go sit in the corner and, and wait for somebody yeah, else to do yeah. something. You're, you have to do something. Yeah. So you have to move into space or create something. So you, you just get exposed for any of your weaknesses in the four-a-side version versus the seven-a-side. I love it. Which is really cool to see. It's like... Um, rugby soccer. Yeah, indoor yeah, soccer, rugby, rugby sevens, yeah. all those modified yeah, sports. Yeah, cricket 2020. 2020. Is that what it's called? Yeah, but not... 2020, yeah. <laughs> yeah still shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Um, and then... I'm trying to picture it. Do you play beachside in a beach pool, in an ocean pool, or do you play in shallow, uh, in water whatever at a high can, tide? Whatever we can do, Okay. Right? Like, we um, do. we've done Bundina, we've done Manly Cove, nice. Port Stephens, Wollongong. Um, we're going to Huskisson next month. Parramatta River? Nice. Parramatta River, <laughs> I don't know about bull sharks and that sort of stuff. Um, I guess I'm they've wondering... They've got a blow-up field. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Oh, yes. And I'm, I'm wondering also because of this, the, the stadium... Can, like, uh -huh. are you playing where you can have a bit of an amphitheater so, type thing? Or, or Depending on the venue, right? Like, that's yep. the ideal, I think, location is that you've got, like, a jetty or something that you can put infrastructure on. Yes. So, at World Champs, they just built the pool inside the field at, of the yeah, stadium. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But for us, I guess, I think a big appeal of what we do yep. is actually doing it outside and, yeah, you know, yeah, dealing yeah. with tide, dealing with currents, you know, a bit of wind. That's part and, of it. Yeah. Awesome. No, so, having to shuffle to get stingrays out of the water in the morning when you put the field out, like all that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do people get onto it? Like, if they want to go watch a game. Uh, I mean, if they want to watch a game, I mean, the first thing is just visit our website, beachwaterpolo4s.com, um, and then we've got a whole bunch of stuff on there about, um, you know, like how you can play our games, how you can train with us. Um, I do some mentoring now for young athletes as well. So if you want to talk to me about more specific to water polo, but I don't know, maybe you've they're got also, a big... Sorry, oh, no, also starting like coaching clinics for juniors. Yeah. So that's also that's a way cool. to get in, like get Fantastic. your kids involved or if yeah. you're listening and you're 13. I'd love to get my kids involved <laughs> in yeah. something like that. For sure, yeah. For sure, yeah. Yeah, and then I guess like if you're like a gym member and you want to play, like we do, yeah, events pretty much every month over summer. So mm. just check our website out where the nearest location is for yeah. you and you just yeah. know to get four mates together and make a team. We could put a team in this summer. That'd be sick. Yeah, I'd be unreal. Yeah? Yeah. Are you willing to... 
Go back I'm in. I'm not fucking playing. <laughs> Go back to the gaffer tape your swimmers on. <laughs> no, hot tip, hot tip. Wear a wetsuit. You'll be more buoyant. You know what you could wear? Oh, yeah. Like one of them big thick ones that they yeah, wear yeah. in the Antarctica. You could wear the, uh, the floaties. <laughs> I just straight up need JB rashes. Yeah. That'd be sick. We could do it in our geese. Yeah, in yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Super savage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that the one of the barriers we want to get I think water polo already has a high barrier to entry because if you haven't played from a young age, like, you know, T's experience, you know, it's a bit traumatic and it's there's a lot of skills that you have to put together. But really all you need to be able to do is, is not drown. That would be the number one skill. Um, and That'd then, be really inconvenient yeah, if someone did. <laughs> rather yeah. inconvenient. Scott said it save you, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, so if, as long as you can sort of float-ish um, and you can swim <laughs> a little bit, it's honestly, it's so much fun. It's not... Uh, how how long is the game split into halves? Yeah, six minute sets. So six minute sets. Six minute sets. How many of those in a game? Two. Two. So if you win the first set, it's one nil. If you win the second set, it's two nil. But if it goes one all, you go to a penalty shootout. So it's always like... Oh, game decent. On the line. It's fast. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully it, it changes the game and, um, you know, we just keep on growing. Like next year, we're in talks to do an event uh, on the Barrier Reef, which will be pretty sick. So we're starting to, to do all the government stuff that we have to do for that. Um, you want to get up there while it still looks good in photos. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and outside of box jellyfish season. Yeah, ideally, <laughs> ideally. Ideally. But it's not a deal breaker. Yeah. <laughs> still do it. That's uh, somebody else's problem. <clears throat> <laughs> I, got a, I got a question uh, for the two of you as athletes. Hmm. I read a book years ago on peak performance. I remember I, it was like one of the first books I read on, um, on peak performance and it was, it's an Australian book and it had a lot of stuff from, uh, like a lot of sports science stuff. It's quite fascinating at the time. I'm sure a lot of the stuff is outdated now, but it, it had a uh, it was a quote or like a little passage from Steve Monaghetti, uh, the distance runner that you know the Australian distance run, marathon runner, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, was, it was it always stuck with me. And he was saying how people always mentioned to him that because he is a I, I'm guessing he's an Olympic gold medalist, um, or is at least you know world champion or you know very high level dude. Yep. Um, they always mentioned to him that he must wake up in the mornings feeling really good because he's so <laughs> fit and he's like, you got no idea. I feel so shit in the mornings because I train so hard and like I'm always recovering and I'm just like beat up. Um, and I found that really, you know, it's just interesting because I was reading as like a 17 year old. I was like, oh, wow, can't believe he, he wakes up feeling like shit. But, you know, we do have that. The public has that perception of athletes that they are in, in elite physical form and so they must be feeling great and motivated and energetic and positive all the time, mm. physically and mentally kind of thing. Could you guys talk on that a little bit? I can just tell you about this week. <laughs> so I think it is um, – it will be just the same as the, the people that come to your gym. You know, some days you're ready to go and some days you are, like, just struggling to get out of bed. And, you know, you – okay, I am a bit of a klutz, so I'll, like, drop, you know, ten cups and break – Things and, you know, I'm half asleep walking around and other days I'll be, you know, get up, light switch, like, you know, eyes open, running out the door, ready to go. Um, but I think it's it's just like, like we're not different to anyone else. Some days are good, some days are bad. And I suppose what makes, um, what makes us keep going is that little bit of crazy that just says, no, you're doing this, no matter, mm. like, no matter what, you're, you're getting to the pool, you're getting, you're getting in. What, what does that day look like, your, your training day, like from start to finish? Uh, so, like, the, I guess it really depends, like, what, you know, what city I'm in. Like, in Sydney, for example, I'd have to, yeah, leave the house, wake up at four, 
um, get to the pool at five, jump in the, do my rehab, jump in the pool, do a two-hour session. Um, but, you know... Two-hour session of, like, laps or... or tr- yeah, training. like 50 minutes or an hour swimming and then um, egg beater and then passing, shooting, maybe some tactics. But, and then, you know, you do your day and then you go and do your club training at night for two hours. Um, but when we go to Canberra, it's uh, maybe a seven o'clock wake up, have breakfast, eight o'clock session. So you get there 15 minutes, 20 minutes early, do your rehab, get out of the pool 10, 10.30, um, go have physio, then go have lunch, um, and then maybe have a video meeting, and then have a nap, and then back in the pool at, you know, six, five or six, out of the pool at seven, go have dinner, and that's a day. So, and then if every second day we do gym on top of that. Canberra's obviously at the Institute of Sport. Yeah. Right. So, you know, everything's really close. And like here, for example, I'm, I'm driving an hour there and back to training. So that's immediately cut out of my day, which gives you, what, three, four hours every day more to recover. Mm. So it just, as much as I'd much prefer to be with Scott and be with Magic in Sydney, you can see why we're going to Canberra. It just makes a lot of sense, like recovery and nutrition and time-wise. I guess like like for me with beach handball, it's more we come together once a month as a team and do a training camp somewhere in the state. So sort of the training in between is really when I can do it on my own time, which has been good with the business. So like weekends, coming here of a night time and that sort of stuff. But I know for training camps, because we've got to squeeze so much into a two-day weekend, we end up training for about, um, I think about six to seven hours a day. Of those, so we do like yeah, twelve to fourteen hours of training over a weekend. So the next probably four days, like you just cannot prepare for that. Like there's no amount of training you can do that just prepares you for that much training. So I'm cooked for about yeah, three or four days after that. But the easiest thing to do is just get back on, into moving again um, and trying to flush everything out. And if you, as soon as you stop moving, that's when it gets worse. I think so. Oh yeah, if you have you know four days off, your body's like, here we go, mm. recovery mode, and you always get like sick or. <laughs> You end up feeling more tired. So just never stop. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> I mean, even last night we were like, oh, we'll go to the gym. And then it got to, you know, yeah. half five and we were like, nah, go home. Tacos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does your weight session look like? Um, we do uh, – what do we do? We do – we used to do a lot of, like, your bench pull, your bench press, your squats. And um, we used to have this kind of goal, a testing that – could actually get you dropped from the team, but we've changed coaches now. But um, where you could have to body weight one and a half times your weight and you had to bench press your body weight and you had to bench for your body weight. Um, Was that back squat one and a half body weight? Yeah. Right. Um, But uh, nowadays we don't have those type of tests. But we do, um, yeah, we still do the squats, the the bench pulls, all that. We do a lot more abs and back extension and... um, like rotation mobility because that's how we can really gain power with shooting is um, rotating because water polo is a one-handed sport. So Do you load that kind of stuff or when you say rotation mobility, do you do that with like bands or you mm. put, put weight onto it? Are they explosive movement? Um, if you're doing like rehab, it'll be with a band, but you can also do with like the cable machine where you'll kind of pull it down. Um, involving chops. Oh, yeah, wood chops, wood chops, yeah, a lot of wood chops. Um, what did I do this morning? Uh, some lots of TRX stuff. Uh, it's, it's, 
it's not as much mobility as what you guys do, which I've really, really liked, but it's definitely a lot more than we used to do uh, in terms of getting that range of motion. Um, there's, like, definitely room to do more stretching, which I do individually, and now from coming here for the last month, um, obviously can add to the repertoire some really awesome hip flexor and calf and everything stretching, um, which helps so much with like athletes' longevity, um, getting on the older end of the spectrum, which isn't so old, 29, but <laughs> in terms of water polo, older end. Yep. Um, so yeah, what was I talking about? Um, Jim. How, yep. many, how many days a week would you be doing, like say you're in preparation, nine months out, six months out, mm. how many days a week in the gym? Three days. Three days. Yeah, about cool. an hour, 15. Yeah. Um, with, with the warm-up in the middle, in the beginning, sorry. Um, yeah, three days a week, um, three times a week. Uh, yeah. How do you find it, like, you've been coming here for the last month, mm. and I'm, I'm, I'm not interested, like, I'm not, I'm not looking for compliments necessarily, but more so, it, it was surprising to me a little bit when Scotty's like, oh, I want to bring um, Kaish in because, you know, she's got a bit of time before she goes away, and I was like, that's fucking awesome, we'd love to have her here. But it was it was it was it was interesting. I was thinking that you don't have something that's laid out for you that you need to be doing already. I was like, oh, you've got this kind of training free time where mm. you can come and do stuff with us. How have you found like just the non-specific nature of what you do here? So I think because normally we would have a little bit more structure, but because they're starting this um, residential camp and they know it's going to be mentally quite taxing. They really wanted to give... And we just came from World Champs, which was um, in Korea. Bronze medalist. Boom. Yeah. Well, <laughs> is it here today? No, I yeah. should have brought it. It's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I have it right here. <laughs> um, so it's amazing. <laughs> it's so big, right? Yeah. It's big. <laughs> um, sorry. And... Um, yeah, so they really wanted to give everyone, like, a mental break. So that was why there was quite a bit of leniency. <clears throat> but um, I've had shoulder issues in the past so I kind of knew that if I did absolutely nothing and it's my personality to not want to do absolutely nothing um but I knew that if that was me I would I would in, like be injured in the first minute going to Canberra and um also go crazy um so but in terms of coming to these sessions there's um I've like really enjoyed it I think I mostly did the um Body weight mobility, mm. just because of the timing and the fighting ones, which I got to fight against Scott, which was very fun. <laughs> I loved watching I that. I hate to say that. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> which fight class did you come to? Uh, Paulie's. Like morning. morning. Uh, after one. The afternoon one. Yeah, yeah. it was the evening. She oh. was kicking his ass, basically. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, what you yeah, want to yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. That's, so right, good. that's right. That's right. <laughs> like two giant broad pairs of shoulders yeah. just swinging at each other. <laughs> <laughs> he was struggling to get the pads. Up in time. Yeah, we're yeah, just that's throwing right. nimble. Each other. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's interesting, like, um, you know, talking about, like, how your weights are done. I think there's a lot of tendency in the program. Like, they'll, they'll write a water polo program, but they won't take into account that the amount of training that some people have done and others have done. So they might, say, put in um, – I can only speak to, like, my club one. They'll put in, you know, uh, deadlifts. But they don't have, like, a progression for how to – actually teach deadlifts it's just like lift the bar and then they're like oh butt out butt out but you know it's the same program depending on if you're an 18 year old or if you're you know my age so i think that that's a 
probably an issue with the SNC for like elite sport is that you know they mm. write a program for the sport but not necessarily the individual. Where I know here you guys put a lot more focus on the progression. Like even though it's the same program for the group, there's a lot of focus on progression and making sure that each person does the um, the skill to their ability level and spending that time to make sure that they're getting the foundation right and. Yeah, I think that that gets missed out a little bit because it's the focus is on the sport, not on the condition. Mm. The yeah, strength and condition. That actually reminds me of what I really love is um, when you're in pairs, and then again when I was with Scott, but when I was with anyone, it's really fun to be like, "Come on, turn this on, turn this on, do this." <laughs> Give him the big the pokes. Yeah, but <laughs> it's so in um, at, you know at water polo gym training, we have a gym trainer and he's great, but you know he's one person. And, yep. you know, you're, you're trying to think, okay, my shoulder's doing this, so there's this doing this. Um, and he'll come over and say, oh, like, you know, that's it, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, you weren't doing this and this. But it's so valuable to have someone constantly being like, no, 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 like, do it better. Mm. Yeah. And then you, you know, you can, you can say as much as you want, like, I'm doing it as best as well as I can. But if someone's literally holding you accountable every single rep... It just makes you get so much more out of the Yeah, yeah the, the quality. Set. The quality the is quality. better. It's a culture that we, we built in the gym yeah. to have everyone almost policing each other's technique. And yeah. it's been really valuable for us as coaches because we can just go upstairs and have a coffee. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's very cost-effective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you automated. make yourselves redundant. Soon <laughs> they're going to be like, oh, we don't need you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that's great that you've noticed that, actually. Mm. And a lot of people get a bit thrown out when they first come in because partner up with someone and all of a sudden they got someone's fingernail in their, in their <laughs> glute and they're like, oh, what's going on here? But uh, after you get used to it, mm. you start to realise, okay, there's the, the tactile feedback, visual feedback, verbal feedback mm. becomes really handy mm. to keep you accountable for good quality form. Totally. And you, you learn a shitload, right, once you're, you're kind of coaching someone else? Yeah. You sort of inadvertently, you learn the techniques so much better because mm. you're enforcing the, the, the standards yeah, yeah. of it. And you're like, oh, that's what happens... That's probably what I look like in the fifth second of a hollow body after four reps. Okay, yeah. right, push my back to the ground or whatever. What I think has been interesting as well is like the way that you guys coach, again, not to keep blowing smoke up your ass, but... Please, please, please. Um, <laughs> sit here all day. So yeah. <laughs> going back into to water polo coaching now like and how I'm trying to become a coach, I don't think we... There's, the way I've been coached has not been like move your leg here and then look rotate your hips and like being so like as specific as you guys are about how the movements are done it's sort of just like yeah turn come back that's like the there's no actual like this is how you move your foot this is how it should be pointed this is where you get your breaststroke kick in so i think that's something that i've taken away here that i've tried to implement into my own coaching um but i think even beyond that it's like okay now pull your ribs down like you know when or make sure your shoulders set because mm. like i mean half of the injuries we all get could probably be resolved from all that yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a good point, that kind of uh, specificity in describing something and keeping it very objective. It, um, yeah, it makes me think, I remember I had a, uh, I did a workshop or seminar with somebody. And they were saying that it's very, if you want to teach somebody to do something well, then you have to, you have to do everything you can to make sure that there's accountability in that process. Mm -hmm. So if I'm trying to teach you how to do a push-up, but I haven't actually told you to pull your ribcage down, squeeze your glutes, keep your quads engaged, elbows tight. Like if I haven't described every aspect of it and ensured that you understand what I'm communicating, 
then how can I expect you to actually do it well? 100%. But if I have taught you that and you're still not doing it well, mm. then, then it's on you. And it's yeah, like, yeah. no, I taught you how to do this. Do it. <laughs> and it's, so it kind of it gives you some, something to fall back on. Mm, mm, mm. Um, yeah, it makes me think like when I used to play soccer and stuff and, and even when I used to go to the gym back in the day, I think the standard of – maybe it's the standard of communication within a lot of coaching. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't happen at that level. No, it I agree. is just like, yeah, yeah, do the thing. Like go down, come back up. Mm. Looks good. Yeah. yeah. Keep going. Don't stop. <laughs> yeah, just like little, like, yeah, soft hands, you know, like for soccer and or soft feet, whatever. Yeah, I agree 100%. So that's what I really want to take away into my own coaching is that communication and making sure that is really effective, which I haven't demonstrated well today with Sometimes my rambling. <laughs> so that kids don't have as, um, <laughs> as good um, awareness of their bodies. Because yeah. I've coached kids before. Mm. It's quite hard to be like, no, square your shoulders. And they're like... Do the exact opposite. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, well, how did it work with? How does it work with the kids that you've t- trained here? Have you found that uh, harder to communicate? Paul, you could probably talk on that. We've had a lot, lot to do with the kids here. <clears throat> Are we talking little kids? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. had the JB Kids um, program here. All smaller kids. It's more just about games. Wasn't a lot of strength um, to do. Then that's we're talking like we've we've had three year olds through to twelve year olds. But I guess. You're asking more about... Three-year-olds like, suck at Olympic weightlifting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I tried with them. But they wouldn't listen. Yeah, kept... Um, but, you know, when it comes to, like, say, the 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds that I've worked with recently, um, yeah, it kind of varies depending on the maturity. Um, but, yeah, it's all about giving them... And it's been a learning experience for me. Um, you know, uh, yeah, giving them things that they're able to do. So it's kind of like finding that really nice uh, balance between challenge and ability, mm. which I think is at the heart of coaching altogether. You're trying to keep the person engaged. If it's too hard, they can't do it. If it's not hard enough, then it's not challenging, then they're not developing. So it's all about, um, yeah, uh, I've been fortunate to have them over a period of time. And when you have people who are dedicated for a period of time and you know that, then you can build a program that that considers that I can... I have time to build a good foundation before trying to, you know, add on weight or make it more complicated. So yeah, it's about just giving them a little bit at a time and and and, and having a great foundation because they're not, you know, the sky's the limit if you've got a really a really firm base and understanding of it. For sure. Yeah. And I think with sports like the, you are coaching very complex things. Even though that if you're a natural athlete or if you are just an athlete because you've trained for a long time. There's a lot of things you take for granted, like just how to move, how to, yeah. how to throw, how to run, how to jump. So it can be very easy to, you know, you've got a group of people, you're about to teach them the sport and they go, oh, I want you to do this. And you're like, why can't they fucking do it? Mm-hmm. And, you, and, you know, if you, if you think back to, like think back to say a body weight class here, mm. we're doing such basic positions. Like some of the positions you're not even moving, you're just holding a position. Mm. And, and so if you think back to that, it's like, all right, well, I've got these people in the water or in the park or even on the jiu-jitsu mats I'm trying to teach them this like multi-point sequence of highly complex moves that involve all the joints in their body and shifting weight and whatever. And it's like, man, you know, how in some ways, how can I expect them to just pick that up? Yeah. You know, am I, I'm probably asking a little bit too much. Um, I know Dave, the, the head jiu-jitsu coach here, he said that he coaches at a few gyms and um, he always comments on how it's really easy to coach jiu-jitsu here because mm-hmm. everyone just picks things up quickly. And I, and I think, you know, it's because they've done a lot of this really basic stuff that gives their body like a terminology or they, they have this software 
built in and they kind of understand instructions well. Yeah, definitely. They've got the, founda <coughs> the foundation. Yeah. yeah. They used to. Yeah. And I think the, the foundation, I know with the process that I, I've got, I think it's the same with the gym as well. Um, uh, the foundation involves uh, the motor patterns. Mm -hmm. So it's just making sure everyone's mechanics are working well and all the important motor patterns, say like the hinging and the squatting and the way that you lift your arms over your head and stuff, they have awareness around that. So the base, I guess, isn't just about building a, a strong base, but you, before that, you've got to have good motor patterns. And when, like, it was very obvious to me, like, receiving a couple of guys that were 14 um, who didn't have a great deal of sport and they still hadn't fully developed, that I, I was, you, you can't load them up unless they have good patterns. So speaking to the members in the gym, I think, yeah, we've, people are really aware of that and they're strong in all the basic positions, whether they're standing or they're in a low gait position and it's not just a low squat, it's a one knee down fisherman squat, internally rotated, stuff like that. They've got a lot more awareness. So going into jiu-jitsu, I think, probably served them really well to, to trans transfer. Mm. Yeah, I mean, everyone's at different stages of it, but I guess our, our quest is to develop that, that base all the time as well as the more complex things. Yeah. You know, so I guess like, you know, you... It's like you've got a team of kids you want to coach in your sport in water polo. You can't like get them out of the water and go and do like handstand progressions and push-ups. Like you got to play water polo. So, you know, it's, it's tough on a, on a sports coach. Mm. But I think if there is that eye to develop, you know, just put like 10% of the time that you have with them into some of that stuff, mm. it will pay dividends. And I guess it's mm. hard, harder for us as well because, you know, firstly to get in the water, there's so much – like if my head's out of the water, then there's like 90% of my body under the water that's doing something that I have to get the kids to go underwater and then there's all these other issues, if, you know, getting kids to look at you underwater. But, um, you know, like <laughs> you can't really demonstrate the same way that you well, would shoot in the water as if you would on land. You know what I mean? Mm. So if I'm standing out going like... Like try and demonstrate yeah. swimming at all on land unless you're lying down. <laughs> exactly. It's like there's so can much... You try? <laughs> I can try. I'll do it for the gram. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, and it's like the whole game as well is like where do you put your hand on somebody? Like, and it's, you know, in jiu-jitsu, you have to go, you have to touch people. Um, and you can't do that by standing on the side of the pool. But that's the tendency we have in water polo coaching is to stand on the side of the pool and try to explain something. And I think that's what I want to take in is like actually having to get in and um, <laughs> show, show how a skill is done and how, it's, uh, how the progression's done. Um, little Magic's just having a little sleep on my uh, lap Magic's at the moment. Magic's getting tired. Yeah, he's had enough. <laughs> Scotty, yes. tell me about this proposal. Oh, <laughs> well, um, I guess that sort of started um, when Keisha moved to Greece. I was going over to visit her in December. And about a week before. Wait, wait, hold up. It started in eight years ago. Uh, yeah, we've been dating for a while. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. You were friends before that, though, yeah? I've read the article in the newspaper, mind you. Yeah, no, so we... Um, I read it You've researched, done your research. We all read it, we all read it. <laughs> yeah, no, so we lived together, like, we were, we've known each other through water polo since we've been about 14, 15, 16, around that age. We sort of bumped no, into each other. each other. Yeah. And did you, like, were you into each other then? Was no. it, like, love at first sight, or were you like, this guy's a creep? <laughs> no. <laughs> Disgusting. It looks like Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 16-year-old Scott had issues, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, when we got to uni, so we ended up uh, going to Sydney Uni together um, and there was an opportunity to move into like the campus living sort of situation. Um, so we sort of decided that we were going to go into a five bedroom house together because she was in the women's water polo, I was in the men's water polo. Uh, her sister was looking for somewhere to live so we could make it like a five bedroom house with some imports. Um, so we did that. 
Uh, so we spent three years together living at Sydney Uni Village. Um, nothing ever happened. Um, don't think it ever got close to happening at, very, at any point. Were you trying? <laughs> no, nah, there at was... At that stage? There, is a, there <laughs> yeah, is a story of like... I think he was trying. Where we, uh, we did a schnitzel challenge where you had to eat a uh, kilo of schnitzel. This is probably uh, my greatest achievement. Yeah. The schnitzel <laughs> challenge. Olympics. <laughs> schnitzel challenge. Kilo of schnitzel, uh, a litre of beer, half a kilo of chips, and you had to do it under an hour. Um, so we went and did that together with oh, some yeah. friends. Acacia got the last chip in with like 10 seconds left. And then... No, no, no. No, 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 no. Here we go. Look, I'm going to be honest with everyone. I don't know who's listening, but I have to be honest with you. There were two chips left, but with one minute to go, I did throw up on the plate. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So technically... But because it was the third girl, woman, to ever do it, they gave him the T-shirt, they still put me on the wall, I still got the free dessert or something, which I did not eat. Yeah. Where was this at? This is the Austrian Snizzle House in Ride. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we did that. Yeah. Did I like the one at Gladesville? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Dude, I, I grew up just down the road from oh, there. Oh, nice. Did you do the challenge? I've no, been to that but place I only, too. I only went there a couple of times. The place was only there for a couple of years. Yeah, hey? I think it's shut down now, unfortunately. Um, wow. So we're off the wall. But the point was, you know, we went home that night. I threw up subsequently later. Um, and then we were just lying um, in my room watching feeling the movie sorry together. For <laughs> yeah, feeling sorry for ourselves. And uh, there was a part of me that thought, oh, if, there's an, if there ever was a chance, it would be tonight. But in hindsight, that was pretty stupid. <laughs> so then, yeah, when we started we both She blew chunks just before, I reckon. <laughs> <Yeah. I'm here. laughs> <laughs> so then we um, then we moved out for a year, um, and then so this is also the time when we had decided on the marriage pact. Yeah, so we had a marriage pact. Uh, we made it a party where we said if we didn't find partners by the time we were thirty, that we would um, start dating and eventually marry or something like that. Yeah, um, and then. There was an SMH article where Keisha's sister's friend was a journalist who was writing an article about marriage packs, cottoned on that we had one, sort of featured us as just a hilarious, you know. Um, there was nothing to do with the pact itself. It was just she was writing a, an article about it. So we get that in there. Uh, about a year later, we, uh, we got together at a party, started dating ever since. And then, um, yeah, before, so Keisha was in Greece last year. So it was about a week before I was going over to visit. And I was like, oh, seems about time to do it. So I started Googling, like, I was like, oh, it might be nice to do in Greece. So I looked up how to get an engagement ring um, about a week before I got on the plane. Googled found out, that. Yeah, Googled it. Found Cute. out it's a little bit harder than I thought because I thought you could just rock up and take one. So that wasn't the case. Um, <laughs> so didn't do it in Greece and then knew that when she came back from World Champs, so it was going to be like, it was going to, there was about a week window that I had that she was going to be here for a long time and that she didn't have anything else on. And um, so I'd organised it all and... Sent her on a little scavenger hunt around uh, Sydney Uni in Newtown and uh, ended up at Sydney Park and proposed to her there and got the answer I was looking for. What was the significance about Sydney Park? Uh, we, lived, we lived at... Um, what's the suburb? Um, St Peter's. Yeah. yeah, we lived at St Peter's for about a year and a half and this is where we got Magic. So we used to take Magic to Sydney Park when we first got in. Um, so the scavenger hunt started at the, accom the student accommodation where the marriage pact was made. And we had lived together for three years, <laughs> being friends. And then it went, went all around, uh, you know, the aquatic centre. Marley Bar. Marley so Bar. So you have to drive Classic. from location to location? Yeah. So on the Scott, same day? Yeah, so Scott wasn't with me. My friend from school was um, taking me around, show, giving me the clues. And she's maybe five foot. And um, I kept on telling her, you know, I could overpower you and steal all these clues. <laughs> she's like, don't ruin the game. I'm like, I just want to get to the end. <laughs> I could overpower you. Yeah. <laughs> so That's how many so locations was it? Uh, I think it was eight. I, I whittled oh, it down shit. from a 14 or so. 
Um, <laughs> but then I quickly realised I had to like write clues for all, all of them and I just didn't have that sort of uh, creative energy that day. <laughs> so the day before, the Friday before, I had written the clues out um, and we were writing them on... Um, one of the girls I work with was helping me write them nicely onto nice cards and I just did nothing that day because I was so nervous and I wasn't nervous about the answer, I was just nervous about the actual... like You know like when you're in year 10 and you have to ask a girl to formal and like you just get that... Like, you just know you I'm have to ask. I'm glad that's what you're... But no, it's like, you have to ask, that, like, oh, will you go to year 10 formal with me? And you have to ask that. And it's mm. like, because you have to ask that set, set, like, set words. It's so like, will you marry me? Just felt like such a... Mm. I didn't know if I was going to be able to say it. Well, <laughs> it, Scott was very smart. The final clue was actually written, like, my full name and will you marry me? So he had thought ahead. He's like, if I can't actually get these words out, I got him, just yeah. read it for yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, yep, uh, did it, and uh, so Keisha's got stuff to do in Canberra now. She's be planning the wedding, and we'll do it after <laughs> Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah all, all steam ahead. That's it. All steam Super ahead, cool. full steam ahead. It's a lovely story for you guys. Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. cool. We really did the follow-up article was to get free stuff, and that hasn't come through yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> and some sponsorship for sponsorship the Olympic campaign. Yeah, yes. venue, dresses, whatever, yeah. for me. Dresses? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, uh, um... We're going to wrap it up there. Are you sure? Yeah, we've done an hour and a half. We've done an hour and a half. Hour 20. You've got 20. a lot of editing to do. No, we don't edit. Oh, you no, don't nothing edit? Nothing gets edited. Oh, wow. No. <laughs> All the good You're stuff. You're in. <laughs> yeah. But I thought, um, you know, you got a bit going on. Case, you got a bit going on. You guys got any, like, can you give us where people can contact you? Maybe where they can check out Beachwater Apollo 4s, where they can check the Olympic campaign, like whatever you'd like to plug. Yeah. Well, I'll start, I'll start with me. Beachwater Apollo 4s, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, our website, check it all out. Um, and yeah, just get involved, it's for everybody. So no experience required, um, just get, get in the water, have a go. and um, Yeah, just check out all the other stuff we do. And then um, I guess like you can look me up on Instagram if you want, I'll always take followers. So uh, Scoot Nico, <laughs> S-C-O-O-T-N-I-C-H-O on Instagram. Uh, Scoot Scoot Nico, yeah, pretty clever uh, little Instagram <laughs> handle. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, check out uh, Beach Handball Australia as well. Um, that's all the stuff that we're doing for World Beach Games next month. Um, and then I guess that's basically it. Come, re- You can call me if you want. <laughs> Does Magic no, have me, his maybe. own Insta? Because no, Magic's he doesn't. a bit of a celeb. Like, yeah, you do some colourful stuff with him, the both of you do. Yeah, he's just sniffing the mic. Yeah. Um, no, he doesn't. We should have done one earlier, but it got, he got, he's six years old now, so it's a bit late. You've got to do it when it's a bit lame now. Yeah. For him. Looking yeah. up beach volleyball falls and all I can see is beach volleyball babes. Well, that's because is that of you? It's <laughs> handball. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> oh, man, um, that frustrates so me so much. <laughs> for me, you can um, follow Australian Water Polo. Um, or is it, what, is it Water Polo Australia? Water Polo Australia. Water Polo Australia. Sorry, Water Polo Australia on Instagram. Uh, you can follow me if you want. Uh, Keisha, K-E-E-S-J-A dot gophers, G-O-F-E-R-S uh, is my Insta. Um, and you can follow our journey to Tokyo. And if you yeah, have a wedding venue, if you have a wedding dress you want to donate, we are taking anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, wedding's at the gym next year. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. We don't need a venue, so <laughs> <laughs> we're all sorted. But the dress would be nice. Maybe you could, if they give you a dress, Just you could give leggings. them a little plug at the Olympics. Yeah. Some shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The IOC is um, famously uh, good at letting you do like free publicity. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they have no marketing guidelines or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, they're loose. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's, it. that's us. Yeah. Thanks for, um, thanks for making the time to come chat with us today. Nice. And thanks for being a part of the gym. Yeah, We've, it's been it's, absolutely awesome. So 
when it's all when I'm all done with uh, the polo, I will be back. It's our pleasure, and I'll try. Yes, I'm trying to. Pleasure. I'm trying to work on um, next year's Winter Warrior Challenge. I really want to win that. I'm coming for Sue. I'm coming for Dill. Oh gosh! <laughs> Call outs. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Cheers. Thanks, Magic. Um, quick <laughs> shout out to our boy Tree at Panavore Cafe for supplying the delicious brews today. Everyone's feeling pretty jacked up on the caffeine. Uh, they're over at Pagewood. Check them out. Panavore, P-A-N-I-V-O-R-E. Delicious egg and ham sandwich also. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, junglebrothers.com, uh, at Jungle Brothers Movement on Instagram. If you want to chat about strength, mobility, jiu-jitsu, Thai boxing, any of the above, um, get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Share this episode with a friend if you got one. And uh, we'll, see, we'll catch you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>